welcome to What in the World Language Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Jadea Jeffords. Today I'm just going to be talking about my third week that I have just wrapped up of teaching 100% online and virtual. I made a podcast a couple of weeks ago about my first week and it was just sort of a stream of consciousness type of podcast where I was just talking, talking about things that I noticed, um, some of the expectations that people were sharing on social media as they were moving into their first week of teaching, um, some of my takeaways about that. And I'm going to do the same thing today. Um, a lot of the ideas that I'm going to share today and thoughts uh, as they pop into my head I think this is unscripted, by the way. I have a few notes, but most of it is unscripted. Um, are, are coming from Twitter. And uh, you can certainly follow me on Twitter at Jadea7. That's J-A-H-D-A-I, the number seven. And hop on over to Twitter and do that. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started. I think, I think one of the first things I want to mention that I've seen a lot on social media... As when I say social media, I'm almost 100% talking about Twitter. Um, it's pretty much where I live with my social media these days. Um, is this notion or this idea of toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. And what do I mean by toxic positivity, right? There's... There's a definition that I came across online from Dr. Jamie Long, um, a psychiatrist, and I'm sure other people have definitions of this. And it's this is just one of the the first things that I I came across when when trying to look up this idea of toxic positivity as I've seen it begin to manifest itself on Twitter. I found it interesting. I mean, I've already I've always known about this concept. I might not have called it toxic positivity. I may have thought about it in the context of, wow, that person is just positive uh, in in any situation, but not necessarily positivity in the way that we think about it. So toxic positivity um, is defined as the excessive and ineffective overgeneralization of a happy optimistic state across all situations. I think the key here is ineffective overgeneralizations. Um, you know, those signs kind of of the toxic positivity are hiding, masking your true feelings, trying to just get on with it by stuffing, dismissing an emotion, um, you know, stuffing those feelings in, pushing them to the back, as they say. Feeling guilty for what you feel. Shaming or chastising others for expressing their frustration. And brushing off things that are bothering you. Right? Those, and, and in place, you replace those with like platitudes and things such as, um, you know, positive vibes only. Or if I can do it, you can do it. We're all struggling here. We're all in the same boat. You know, it could be worse. Uh, these are some of the things that, that, that people will say with the 
Pollyannish ideas, right, of positivity. You know, we're all in the same boat. We we can all make it. And what I see on on Twitter mostly are, are teachers that are sharing this idea of toxic positivity is they don't feel seen. They don't feel validated. They don't even feel like they can have a conversation, right, about what they're truly feeling. It seems like it's it's staff PD, it's lesson plans, it's um, creating materials from scratch as we all scramble to teach either online or hybrid, right? These are the things that matter. Suck it up. Don't worry. Be happy. We'll get there. Push through. And while some of those things may actually be, through, be true, we will get there if we keep pushing, it still denies. It still denies what you're feeling inside, right? You have to bury that and push through and do the work. And that is what I see as being painful, right, for teachers and educators. That's what I see as being painful for teachers and educators, this idea that they just have to push through it and it'll be okay. And for some people, some folks, that may be the case. But for most people, they're frustrated they don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. They don't feel validated, right? It's as if um, it's as if these healthy human emotions of feeling frustrated, pushing toward burnout, crying because of being overwhelmed and not really knowing where to go, what to do in this new paradigm that we're all in. Um, it's as if. For some people, telling us this toxic positivity and those of us that receive this toxic positivity that, are positivity that are aware of it and receive it and don't feel validated, it's almost as these folks don't understand that we're living through a crisis in education, right? When I say a crisis in education, I mean this is new since March, since we went online. Since the social distancing and lockdown took place, we all moved online, right? And this is unprecedented. There's no precedent for this. There's no, of course, there's online uh, teaching happening before COVID came into existence and, and disrupted all of our lives. But the level of inequities that, that we have seen since March leading up to returning to school for the 2021 school year, it's unprecedented, especially when you think about the things we need to do to make online learning equitable for segments of our population, right? Things are splitting apart. Things are, are changing at a rapid pace, and that this creates a lot of stress, right, as you, as you well know. So... You know, thinking about toxic positivity, it really, for me, it makes me wonder, well, what is the secret that these folks have? Or are they pushing it back? And at what point will they themselves manifest the symptoms of toxic positivity, right? When will they begin to show the symptoms? At what point do they break so to speak, because it seems to me that if we're trying to push our true, honest feelings back into our minds, 
right and forget about them, that at some point we must all, that person, begin to break, right? And when I say break, I just mean um, express themselves and come to the realization that they can't keep saying things. Look for the silver lining. Delete negativity from your life. Positive vibes only. So those are my thoughts. It's just kind of interesting when you see on Twitter other teachers posting about, I'm over toxic positivity. I've been through this um, sort of thing before where, you know, you'll see teachers post about um, expectations that are not realistic. And so when I see teachers post about toxic positivity, and I, I like to link those two ideas together that, that these unrealistic expectations that teachers have from districts and other teachers and administration um, couple that with the notion of toxic positivity. Um, it's, like a, it's like a double whammy, right, um, when you think about it. So you, on one hand, we're forced to think about staff PD. We're forced to think about lesson plans, as I mentioned. We're forced to think about all these things and what's best for our students, right? Without ever feeling like we can be addressed as individuals, right? As humans, as showing up as ourselves, right? Um, these, you know, you can hurt folks with this stuff. We can push teachers out of the profession with this toxic positivity. It's absolutely amazing. I know that was just kind of long and rambling, but that's what I've seen online with toxic positivity, and it's something I really want to think about. Um, I don't do it myself. I'm more open to listening to people. I want to be there for people. I want to listen. I want to validate. I want to hear the stories. I want to be a shoulder to cry on. Um, I want to be all those things. I'm not going to tell you suck it up. I'm not going to tell you to look for the silver silver lining. I'm not going to tell you any of those false platitudes, right, to get you moving. I'm definitely not going to tell you to pull yourself up by the bootstraps because that meritocracy argument is trash. But uh, anyway, so this kind of leads into this poll that I took a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. I think it was a couple of weeks. I don't remember. You could see it on my page. Um, and I, It was a really quick poll, nothing official. Definitely isn't uh, 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 in-depth research method process, right? It's a Twitter poll, right, with three questions. So, um, But it was revealing to me. Um, I asked simple question. I asked a simple question. I said, teachers, how many of you feel as if you're already reaching burnout this early in the year? Now, remember, I just wrapped up my third week, uh, September the 4th today, dating this podcast. Um, but some teachers are just starting this week, right? And some teachers I don't even think have started yet in some states across the United States. So the teachers that answered my poll, 35% said they're already there. 55% said they're almost there. And only 8% of the respondents to that poll said no, not at all. And then in the comments you had... Um, Folks say things such as, um, they're pretty good right now, um, but they'll say how it goes, right? Um, people not having a rest from earlier in the summer for helping other students. 
Um, some folks said they don't feel like they recovered from the spring, right? So that kind of ties into this notion of toxic positivity with me, right? If you couple the burnout coming from a continuous learning and shifting, a paradigm shift of education, if you couple the stress that goes along with that, um, families out of work, people unemployed, students being left on the margins, the inequities behind all this um, remote learning, if you tie that in with someone that is being positively, positively toxic, I know that didn't sound right, but toxic positivity, ah, it's a recipe for the disaster in my opinion, right? So I found that fascinating also. The result from that poll, thinking about toxic positivity. So I'll follow a bunch of teachers on Twitter, and the things that the teachers that I post doesn't seem like we're all doing well. We're all in various stages of just getting along, right? Just trying to do, yes, what is best for the students, but also taking care of ourselves taking care of our families and our loved ones, right? So those are my two thoughts on uh, toxic positivity and the poll that I took, right? Um, another thing I kind of wanted to touch on that I touched on about my first week of teaching was, all, um, what was it? Um, oh, turning your cameras on. This idea of turning your cameras on. I had made a Loom video a while back probably a little outdated right now, but maybe not, um, about some rules that people had set up, Zoom norms, and uh, it was really ridiculous the things that they were they were requiring. But again, let me reference back to Twitter, things that I have seen this, this past week is teachers kicking out students, specifically black and brown students, out of their Zoom classrooms for not following their norms. Now, you want to speak about inequity. That's just straight garbage. I mean, what does that say about you as an educator if you are kicking out students out of your virtual environment? Is there not a way that you can acknowledge those students, use some of the classroom strategies that you have developed over the year? Yeah, maybe not in not in the in a physical setting, but in a virtual setting, where you can you can acknowledge those students, you can reach out to those students. There's even students, not only are they being kicked out, they're being written, written up. This, to me, plays right into this school-to-prison pipeline notion where disproportionately black and brown students are being suspended, being disciplined, being written up, being kicked out of school, being shoved out of the education system and into the prison industrial complex, right? This is the same notion, the same crap translated into a virtual online learning environment. So these teachers create these norms, and I know I started talking about cameras being on. So, you know, imagine the student doesn't turn their camera on for whatever reason that doesn't really pertain to you as an educator, Um but it could be it could be the root of that could be many different things that you don't know. So 
why would you kick a student out for not turning their camera on? I just don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Most of those folks are not open to having a conversation about why they would do such things. Well, you didn't follow my expectations. The norms are clearly stated on Canvas or Google Classroom or Schoology or whatever LMS that you use. Everyone has access to these rules. If you don't follow them, they're simple. They're out. That's just simply not a position that I take. I have rules, but as I read earlier this week on uh, Twitter once again, um, almost all my rules are flexible. Actually, I don't really have any rules because you know what? I co-create my rules with my students. We did that the first week, right? We had discussions about what this environment looks like, what they need from this environment to learn their way, the best way they can, and what can I do to facilitate that. Least we forget who we are hired to teach, who we are there for, who we are here for, right? It's students, 100%, all the time. They're not just words, student-centered, right? For some people it seems to be, but for me, definitely not. So, whew, that was a rambling. Back to cameras on, right? Um, so, I don't, my district requires cameras to be on. I, as an educator, do not require cameras to be on. I simply will not do it. I simply will not do it. And I didn't do it, and I told the kids that I wasn't going to do it. I told my students, your camera is optional. And I expressed to them that I would love to see your face. I would love for you to turn your camera on. I gave, I gave them video. I posted video instructions on how to change your background, how to blur your background, how to add filters. I gave them the option. But the, mo the most important thing that I told them is, when you're ready to turn it on, I'm here for you. Otherwise, I'm not going to ask you to turn it on. And guess what? The first week, I only had a couple cameras on. Didn't have many and, and, and didn't care. Uh, but as I ended week three and as we did activities to really get to know each other and really develop a community, cameras slowly started coming on without me even asking. And you know, when the camera came on, I didn't say anything. I didn't say, oh, thank God you turned your camera on. I've been waiting for two weeks. Nope. I didn't even acknowledge it. I just let it go. And none of the other students acknowledged it. And it was just on. The camera was on. I didn't say anything. Why do I need to say anything? When students are comfortable, they'll come out of their shell. They'll do it. They'll share right? But if they don't, guess what? I've had, I've had several students not turn their camera on once this entire time. But then you say, oh, oh, Judea, but how am I going to know they're there? How do I know if they're not off using the bathroom or, or cooking dinner or lunch or whatever they're doing? Or maybe they went outside and blah, oh my God, what are they? Well, guess what? Let me, let me go ahead and give you uh, one tip on that one. All I've done is I'll do a random cold call. And I've only had two students out of all my classes not answer when I do a cold call. 
And but guess what? Those two students that didn't answer, and you think, oh, well, I'm going to mark them absent. Well, guess what? They send me a message on Canvas, the LMS that my school uses, my district uses. They send me a message saying, oh, I'm sorry. I had to go take care of my little brother. Or one of the messages I got from a student the other day was like, I'm sorry, my little nephew who I'm babysitting, blah, 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 uh, dropped this. I had to go help clean it up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm cool with that because the lesson, the lesson is posted on Canvas. They know where to get it. I'm organized, kind of, sort of organized. Um, so they know where to go, right, if they missed it. So I'm getting follow-up from my students. I'm getting cameras coming on voluntarily. All these things, right, that I see teachers create norms for and suspend students for, or I don't know if they're suspending, kicking them out of their Zoom class. But what benefit is in that? What are you telling that student when you kick them out of your Zoom class? I mean, what, what kind of relationship are you developing with that student? This is a completely new paradigm we're in. And if you're going to try to bring over those same tired, racist policies that you've been pushing in your in-person class to the virtual environment, well, then I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, if, you're, if you're listening to the podcast um, and you're one of those teachers that do that, I would highly encourage you to reconsider how you approach building relationships in an online environment. I would highly encourage that. Um, so it's getting, I'm pushing towards 20 minutes here on this stream of consciousness podcast. If you are still with me, thank you very much for listening. That's really about it. That's all I got. That's all I got today. Wrapping up my three weeks. Um, the things that I've, I've seen and noticed, students will come around with the cameras on. Seems to be an ongoing issue. Some teachers are really frustrated about it. But find another way. Find another way to engage your students. You don't need the camera on. Ask yourself, why does that student not turn that camera on? Maybe have a conversation with that student about why they don't have their cameras on. And if they don't tell you, it's all good. Build a relationship. They'll tell you. You know, develop a little bit of trust in your students. This is a new environment. I think you need to keep telling yourself that. Um, toxic positivity. If you're one of those educators, administrators, or teachers, or persons that are out here spouting off these things about toxic positivity, try to see those people in your classrooms. I mean in your buildings, um, in your Zoom meetings, in the emails. Try to see them. Try to hear them. Try to listen to them. Check in on them. Ask them how they're doing, right? And I'm not talking about that email where you, the first line says, I hope this email finds you well. No. Try to reframe that. Think about it. And ask teachers how they're really doing. That's about it for today. I want to thank you for listening to this Stream of Consciousness podcast today. Um, I hope there was something beneficial. I hope it may be a stress reliever for you or maybe it's just something um, you wanted to hear me get some things off my chest and it helps you get some things off your chest. As always, like I said, you can follow me on, the, on Twitter. Send me a message. 
need somebody to talk to, I'll be there for you. Um, I hope if you have started that your year continues to go well, constantly analyze your practice, um, reflect, critically reflect on what you are or not doing. Um, if you haven't started yet, I'm there for you. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about you. I see you. The struggle is real. So reach out when you need to reach out and find that group of folks that are willing to listen and not just tell you Pollyannish stuff. I don't even know if that's right. Um, so without any further ado, if you're listening to Word in the World, 